thank you for joining us for this podcast from Abundant Life. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this word. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I hope you're ready for the Word of God this morning. I want you to do something I've asked you to do before, but I'm going to ask you to do it again today. I want you to really try to believe that God wants you here and that He wants to say something to you. Too many times we get to thinking, oh, I wish so-and-so could have heard that. I wish such-and-such would have been here for this. We're the ones that are here, and God is in control, and God has something to say. In Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 9, The Bible said, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Verse 13 says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I want to speak to you from a sermon titled this morning, We Work So All Can See and God Gets the Praise. We Work So All Can See and God Gets the Praise. Pray with me. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. God, I pray that... You would let me decrease and you increase. Father, I pray you would anoint my mouth and my mind to speak sound doctrine. Lord, teach us what you would have us to know. Father, I pray that you would empower us to love you more, to serve you more. God, I pray that you would instill more passion in us. God, fill us with your spirit. Use us for your glory, God. I thank you for what's happening in our children's ministries around this campus now. And I pray that you would bless them as they learn your word today, Father. And speak to us here from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. We work so all can see and God gets the praise. That's the whole message just in the title. I've been telling you for years, one day, because it's my habit to read the scripture, say the title, pray. I've been telling you for years, one day, there's going to be more of us in the room than them. And a switch is going to happen. Now, typically when the Bible says us, it's talking about who? It says them, it's talking about who? Okay, now there's, a, there's another us in them. There's an us in them inside the Christian realm. There are Christians who are prayed up, paid up, fired up, and ready to go up. And there are Christians who are just going through the motions. Now, if we could ever come in here and the majority, I just need one over half. If we could ever come in here and just have one over half of the people in the room excited. I mean, came, brought your praise with you. We're going to worship him no matter what song they sang. Didn't wait on anybody else to get you happy. Wasn't looking to be sung happy or preached happy. Brought your tithe check already made out. Already decided you were going to forget about your trouble and come on get happy. And that God was going to be your focus. If we could ever outnumber them like that, all I'm going to have to do is read the scripture 
and announce the title, people are going to throw money on the altar, cry, weep out, beg out, pray for each other. Healing's going to spontaneously happen. Heaven's going to flood the place up, and glory's going to fill our soul. That's good news. But it didn't happen. So we got to know. They got us outnumbered, Brother David. They got us outnumbered today, but we're working on it. We're working on it. Hey, get on the good side, then you won't have to listen to me preach so long. The average pastor in America preaches for less than 25 minutes. My average sermon, they're all free online, you can look. My average sermon is an hour and six minutes. Amen. That's a fact. And you got to try to stay awake through that whole thing. Now, if we ever outnumber them, we have that glory spell, we will be the Methodists to lunch. All of them, Presbyterians, Baptists, everybody. Now, you're not going to beat Black Holiness Pentecostals lunch because they're going to 3.30. And, and that's just how that is. But I want you to believe that God has you here by design and that this word is real. Can you agree this word is real? Amen. The Bible says it's a living book. And I believe this book wants to speak to us today. God said he's elevated his word above his name. When we take time to pay attention to the reading of the word of God, we are doing what God has commanded us. As a young man first coming into ministry, I read about a man named Ezra. And I read where it said that Ezra stood up on a platform full of wood. He read the scripture before the people and caused it to make sense. And I said, God, that's what I want to do with my life. I want to read the scripture and cause it to make sense. And I believe if you'll pay attention this morning, God is going to cause this scripture to make sense in your hearing. Today's a special day for us at Abundant Life. I already told you free lunch was happening. We don't do that every week. Um, but not only is it a special day because we're going to feed you lunch, but right after this service, we're going to leave this room in just a few moments, and we're going to go next door and talk about our ministry fair. Our ministry fair is something we do from time to time, usually annually, not always, but it's an opportunity where we spread out our leaders in a room, sitting behind tables, representing all the different ministries that you can get involved with in the church. Because if I started right now with Deacon West, and I went all the way around the room and finished up in the very back with Deacon Mike, and I said, what ministry do you currently serve in at Abundant Life? You need to have an answer. Most people, well, I don't know if most, some people wouldn't have an answer. Some people would hopefully say, well, Pastor, I'm still looking for my fit. And that's why we talked about spiritual gifts last week. That's why we talked about the seven motivational spiritual gifts, the, the gifts about how God has wired you up that you need to be serving and operating in. You need to find your fit. See, I want to pastor a church where we've got the right people in the right seat on the bus. Some people are better at driving the bus, and other people are better at reading the map to get the driver there. Some people just need to take a nap in the back seat and don't bother anybody. But you need to be in the right seat on this bus so you can be operating in your highest and best use. Do you realize anybody in this room right now could come up here and take this microphone and speak in front of this crowd. Now, they say that public speaking is the number one thing people are most afraid of in life. 
Second, first thing people are most scared of, public speaking. Second, death. So they'd rather die than talk in public. The reality is you could come up here and, and teach. You could come up here and, and say something until it was time to go, but it might not be your highest and best use. This is my highest and best use. This is what God has anointed me, ordained me, and purposed me to do. I want you to find out what God has anointed, purposed, and ordained you to do. We saw last week that God has given every believer at least one motivational gift and possibly many other serving gifts. And so we want to get you involved in Christian ministry. We're going to look at these different areas of ministry. You're going to have a chance to find out what they do. There's some pamphlets over there you can look at. The leaders are going to be there. You can ask them questions. Listen, you need to learn how to ush. So you can be an usher. You need to learn how to deke so you can be a deacon. You need to learn how to greet so you can be a greeter. You need to learn how to love on children, work with youth, work with shut-ins, visit hospitals. Being the church is not just about coming to church on Sunday morning. You should have heard the old cliche at some point in your life. The church is not the bricks and the steeple. The church is the people. We are the church everywhere we go. We, we, we just come together on Sundays and Wednesdays to celebrate and to fellowship and, and to, to learn more about God's Word and, and to rejoice with each other and to pray for each other. But you need to find out what your gift is, and you need to serve God in that gift. Life gets better when you start living for something bigger than yourself. Most people are only living for therefore and no more. What's your life all about, Pastor? My, my family. Well, that's awesome. That's great. You ought to love your family. The Bible says if you don't take care of your own, you're worse than an infidel. But you know what those kids are going to do one day? Yes, they are. They're going to grow up, move to the other side of the country, have the kids of their own, and maybe call you on Christmas. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, y'all got there yet? That's right. I'm not saying don't put stock in them. And I'm not saying there is zero return on investment, but according to the government, $287,000 per child from birth to 18. How many of y'all have more than two? That's a half million. How many of y'all have more than three? You're pushing on a million now at 287. I don't know what kind of investment you got back on that, a return. But I'm not saying they're a bad return on investment, but I want to tell you about a bigger return on investment, the ultimate thing that you need to be spending your life in, wrapping your life up in, the big thing that you ought to be purposing to spend your time on this planet is working inside God's kingdom. There's not a greater thing you can do with your life because God's kingdom is certainly bigger, and when you're a part of something, life takes on purpose. Most people don't feel purpose in life. Most people don't feel a sense of destiny in life. Most people just, they wonder. Those same questions that philosophers have been running by people since the dawn of time. Who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? Listen, you are who you are, and God has a plan for you. You just got to decide today, are you willing to get involved with the plan that God has for you because I've been telling you a lot lately that things are going bad in the world, especially in our country, especially in our city, especially in our community. And the reason I've been saying is the reason I told y'all it's happening is because God put the church, his followers, 
the organized local assembly of believers in communities all around the world so that we could gather together and we could have an impact on our community for the greater good. So that we could go out into the community and we could advance the kingdom of God in the community. So we could go out into the community and shape and change and make better the community. But what's happened in the last hundred years is that churches have gotten so determined to grow big, they dropped their standards. And they stopped doing things that used to keep people away. They stopped preaching messages that used to keep people away. They, they stopped classing out people and said, well, it, it, we just got to let everything go because we don't want to offend anybody. We just need to be open-minded, tolerant, broad-minded, and inclusive because, you know, after all, Christianity is just about love. Christianity is not just about love. It's a lot about love, but not the kind of love this politically correct culture wants to assume because Christianity is not a broad-minded religion. Christianity is not a tolerant religion. Jesus didn't say, just come as you are and we'll just take anybody. He said, I'm the only way that you can get to heaven. That's very narrow-minded. Do you know, if Jesus was walking the earth in front of today's media, they would label Jesus as a bigot and a lunatic. They would label him as a cult leader and a bigot because he would boldly stand up before them all and he would say, I am God's unique and special son, and I'm the only way that anybody can get to heaven. And all other religions are liars. He said, if anybody tries to get to heaven other than by me, they're a thief and a liar and they will not enter in. That's not broad-minded. That's not inclusive. That's not tolerant. Listen, you can come, but you have to come through Jesus. And so we, we've got to understand that what's been happening to churches in America for a really long time is instead of us going out into the community and changing the community for the better, we've allowed the world to come into the church and change the church for the worse. Well, y'all don't have to agree with me. I'm right all by myself. I've been watching this for 35 years, and I've watched music take over churches. I've watched sound and lights take over churches. I've watched special speakers take over churches. I've watched special singers take over churches. Do you realize you can get big-name singers to come to your church? I hate to even say this in front of Elder Robin, but I've already talked to him about that. They got, they got this boy Baptist singer named Charles Billingsley. I, never, I couldn't name one thing that he's ever sang. Anybody ever heard of him, Charles Billingsley? He will come and sing one song in your church for $15,000. And that's a discount because Israel Houghton, anybody ever heard of Israel Houghton and New Breed? Israel will come and sing one song in your church for $30,000. And that's a discount. That was for his friends, uh, and it goes up from there. That's after you pay for him and new breeds flights, travel expenses, food, hotel rooms, cars, drivers. We looked at having a special singer come in one time. That's how I know about all this stuff. They have what's called a technical rider. It's a piece of paper they add on to the contract. This is what they're willing to eat and how they must be treated. And this one girl... She said, if you have me in on a Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, these are the foods I'm willing to eat. Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, these are the foods I'm willing to eat. I don't like to eat with other people, so I will not be eating with the pastor 
But I do bring a special friend with me, and she will need a plate for her as well. And she likes the same stuff I like. She needed two drivers, and she needed copies of their driver's license to pick her up from the airport and be available to her the whole time. I don't know why you need two drivers. She needed two people to set up our table for her to put her records on and to work the table before, during, and after the concert. And then I'm reading all that. I'm thinking, why ain't you just servant-hearted? You're just humble and glad to serve the Lord. Now, if you've been around for a long time, you know any real Christian, preachers will drive three and a half hours out to a tiny little church in the country, preach their guts out, 39 people get saved, revival fall, the whole church be changed. They'll buy him a small burger at the local burger joint and a milkshake on the way out hug, and everybody think it's great. And maybe give them $25 for gas money. Same way gospel singers used to travel 20, 30 years ago. But the world has crept into the church. See, the church used to hold up a standard so the world didn't feel comfortable coming to the church. Now people feel comfortable coming to the church. Well, how could you not feel comfortable coming to church when, when a large percentage of churches have uh, some homosexual sissy dude playing the keyboard singing? I thank God. Elder Robin got no sissy in him. His wife sitting by him said amen and shook her head. He's got children. There's proof text on our worship leader. Proof text. But you got everything going on in the church. People shacking up. Divorce as high in the church as it is out of the church. Drugs and alcohol high in the church as it is out of the church. The church is no longer impacting the world because we've so let the world infiltrate us. But I want you to know it is time to change. The Bible says that we got to work while it's today because there's a day coming when no man can work. I believe that we are close to the end of time. Now, I'm not some end time gloom and doom preacher, and I'm not going to stand up here and beat on that every week because you always have some smart aleck who will say, well, they've been saying that for thousands of years. Well, I'll tell you what the, 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 the Bible writer said in response to that. They've been saying that for a long time. God said, yeah, well, we're nearer than we were when we first believed. I got saved on July 15, 1981. I thought for sure God reached down to that far to get the last sinner on earth. It must be over in 1981. 82 came. 83 came. 93 came. 2003 came. 2013. I don't know how much longer this is going to go on, but whether the world doesn't last forever, I know we are not going to last forever. See, we only have one life, child of God. You don't, you don't get a do-over. This isn't golf. There are no mulligans in this thing. This, this isn't a video game. You can't set reset button and start over. We need to do anything and everything we're going to do for God's kingdom now because this is the only time that we have. And I want to tell you again, life is better when you're serving God. You wake up with a purpose. You wake up as part of a team. You wake up as part of something that's bigger than you. You wake up knowing that you are useful, you are valuable, your life has worth, and we need to get involved in making sure that everybody at Abundant Life is doing ministry, being involved some kind of way. That's what the first century church had going on for them. They weren't just sitting back doing nothing. They were all in times 10. But, I mean, it kind of helped. They saw Jesus after he rose from the dead. That'll shake you up a little bit. 
See, people in this neo-Pentecostal generation we're in now, they, they think that signs and wonders and speaking in tongues is what shook the whole first century up, and that's why everybody got so fired up and the church grew so fast. That's not why everybody got fired up and the church grew so fast. Those things are great and awesome unto themselves, but everybody got fired up and it grew so fast because Jesus showed himself alive after he rose from the dead at least 10 times, one time to over 500 people. So, I mean, that kind of, if we buried somebody on Friday, and they showed up in here right now today and said, uh, I'd like to preach. I'm out. And you would be running around telling people, have you heard? Have you heard? Have you heard? Jesus, he's alive. No, they killed him Friday. No, he's alive. He came back from the dead. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. He, I saw him. No, you didn't. Yes, he, there he is. What? He's alive. And the message of resurrection is what changed the first century church. And they went around telling the message of resurrection. And that's what the church needs to be telling people today. Not send me money and get rich. Not, not send a seed right now. Pick up the phone. I need the next thousand callers. God's going to give you double for your trouble. The next 215 callers that call right now and say hippity dippity dot. God's going to flood your bank account with five. That's all con artists on television. You need to turn that off and read your Bible. I'm talking about your favorite preacher on TV. Watch your favorite preacher on TV and watch long enough until he gets on his sow a seed and God's going to bless you. They're just trying to get your money. You know why? Because it takes a lot of money to be on TV. So they got to spend 29 minutes on a 30-minute show begging for money so they can stay on the air to keep begging for money. That's not what's going to grow the church. Preaching of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is what's going to grow the church. We need to be letting people know Jesus is alive and God has a plan for you. Jesus is alive and he can make you right with the Father. Jesus is alive and he can forgive your sins so you don't have to carry that guilt and that shame and that stain. Because I can tell you, as somebody who has been guilty before God and someone who has been cleaned up before God, feeling clean before God's a whole lot better than feeling guilty before God. Is there five people that would agree with that? In Acts 17... The followers of Jesus were serving God in such an amazing way. They were changing their community. So much so that a group of haters, because there's always haters. Hate is free. You always, they'd be pouring haterade till Jesus comes back. They were hating him. They, they were hating the apostles. They'd be hating us. That's just, that's just foretold. But this group of haters in Acts 17 in verse 6 said this about these group of followers of Jesus Christ. It says they've turned the world upside down for Jesus, and now they've come to our city. Do you know that there need to be a group of people following Jesus Christ turning cities upside down for him right now in Jacksonville? Sounds like a lot of work, though, don't it? Oh, Pastor, I got lunch to go to. Not today. We brought it. Let me get out of here so y'all won't leave before the ministry fair is over. They turned their world upside down for Jesus. We're arguing about what bathrooms people ought to use. Don't debate with me about that. Listen, if, 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 if you want to tell me that you think it's okay for, for your teenage boy to walk in a bathroom 
with with my my sister grandbaby. You lost your mind. You you just I got no I got no good news for you. What what I got for you is is a book on how to get your mind straight. It's called the Bible. But we need to be talking about more than what bathroom people are using. We need to be talking about how to get Jesus on the throne in the life of the communities in our cities. We need to talk about how to elevate the name of Jesus. The way that's going to happen is not, listen, let me tell you how it's not going to happen. God is not going to pop up in heaven, take a big red sharpie, and write, Jesus is the way, get busy serving him on a cloud somewhere. That sounds silly, but I've heard lost people say, well, Pastor Scott, if that's really the truth, why doesn't God just write it on the sky in a red sharpie? Well, I don't know if there's a red sharpie that big, but that's not how God purposed to do it. God purposed to do his work through his followers. He has us here to serve him. He didn't save us just to sit in pews and chairs. He saved us to serve him. The Bible says we're his hands and feet. And if you don't get convicted, when you hear that old, used to be contemporary Christian, I don't know what they call it now, but some song somebody sang in the 80s, and it says, if we are his, if we are his body, why aren't our hands reaching? Isn't that deep? Why, why aren't our feet carrying the message? Why aren't our hearts loving anybody? We are his ambassadors, the Bible says. We're supposed to be representing him everywhere. The Bible says no one has seen God, but God does what he does through his followers. So when they see us doing something, it's a reflection of the greatness of God. Romans 12, 11. And I'm going to skip around a lot. Normally I'd pick one passage and stay right in it, but I'm trying to get you somewhere today. Romans 12, 11 says, Never be lazy. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. I preached this passage last week. Never be lazy. This book is written to the Christians at Rome. Why would God have to tell Christians to never be lazy? Because they are. Because he knows they either are or they have a propensity, a proclivity to be lazy. And God does not want his children to be lazy. Never be lazy, but work hard. And serve the Lord enthusiastically. That is a whole lot of demand on people in 2016. It's hard enough to get someone to show up for a work day, to rake our own leaves, much less go out into the community and do yard work for free for strangers. It's hard enough. Well, and, and here's what I hear people say. Well, I know Pastor had that back surgery. Is, is he going to be there? Do you know what that means? I want to make sure I'm seen by, by somebody important if I'm going to come sweating on a Saturday. Listen, I'm not the most important person that needs to see you serving the Lord. I'm just another person like you serving God. I got a relationship with God on my own. You got one on your own. People don't like to work hard at much anymore. I've told you all, unless the next great war involves sitting in comfortable chairs staring at monitors and working out thumbs, our young generation is going to be beat in whatever it is because that, they, they've given up hard work for texting and playing video games. But the Bible says that we need to work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Listen, if you serve God in any capacity, if you work in ministry, please stop letting me hear you say, I kept nursery four weeks in a row. I'm the only one to ever come back here. You ought to thank God God's given you a place to do ministry. 
You ought to thank God God's giving you the health to be in church four weeks in a row. You ought to thank God God's giving you enough gas money to get your car to church four weeks in a row. You ought to thank God that you are still clothed and in your right mind and we still allow you to work with children in this church. It doesn't say serve the Lord with bitterness. Listen, when you start getting bitter about your ministry, when you start feeling upset and agitated about your ministry, you can know one thing for sure. You no longer have the joy of the Lord as your strength. And you need to refocus your mind and ask God to recharge your batteries. You need to spend more time in private devotion because I believe what the one great theologian said, the key to success in public ministry is having a successful private devotion. And before you can do any of these ministries that we're going to be looking at today, you need to have a solid private devotion. John 12, 26 Listen to this promise. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. I have heard honest people, and I love honesty more than, than fakers. I don't, I don't do the fake it till you make it thing. I, I don't do the blab it and grab it thing. It is what it is. is. I pray God will make it better, but it still just is what it is. I like to be realistic about what's going on. I've heard people honestly say, I'm just tired of everybody else getting theirs. When am I going to get mine? I, I just seen everybody else's ship come in. When is my ship going to come in? Well, I, I don't read much about the Bible about ships other than fellowship, lordship, discipleship, different message, different crowd. I'm going to keep moving. But what I do know is the promises of God are solid and sure. And Jesus said that if we serve him, that God will honor us. You say, well, I'm humble, Pastor. I don't need any honor. You need the Father to honor you. See, because every real child in a family wants Daddy to be proud of them. Every real child wants to please their father. And the kudos that you get from your dad ought to mean more to you than what you get from your coach. The kudos that you get from your dad ought to mean more to you than what you get from your pastor or your teacher or your mentor. When the Father honors you, that's big time. Say big time. The way you get that is by serving the Lord. Jesus said you got to serve him because you got to be where he is. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. You want life to get better? Start serving the Lord. And God is going to honor you. Let's look at our text in Matthew chapter 5, picking up near the end of the Beatitudes, looking at this passage in verse 9 where the Bible says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. I'm not going to keep you here an hour and six minutes today, so I'm just going to pluck a couple of words out of each verse. God blesses those. Let's, let's take a test. I'm going to give you the answer. I'm going to help you get the answer. The answer is on the second line. It's four letters. It's underlined. It starts with W and ends with irk. All right? God blesses those who do what? Work. 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 It's a four-letter word, but it's not a cuss word. We got to get it in the mind of Christians that work is not a result of sin. Work is not a result of the fall of man. God gave man work before sin. And work is a blessing. Work is a privilege. I've been telling you all, four years ago I had an accident with a lawnmower, ripped my back up, 
walked around as a half cripple, had a double back surgery, and it is a horrible thing to be a grown person and not be able to work the way you want to work. Talk to some older people. They wish they had the vitality to still work. And, then, and most older people still outworking younger people. We need to work. God blesses those who what? Work. You wonder why you're not being blessed? Well, you don't meet the requirement. Sitting at home waiting on God to bless you. There's nothing in the Bible that says sit at home and wait on God to bless Well, I'm just holding on, Reverend. Holding on to what? Laziness? Holding on to the remote control? Holding on to bitterness? Holding on to drugs and alcohol? Holding on to gossip and overeating? What? Holding on. God said go to work. God blesses people who work. We need to work for the Lord. Look look at verse 10. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who are persecuted for, I'm looking for two words. It comes right in between, right after the word for and right before the word for. God blesses those for what? Doing right. It's time to do right. It's one thing to talk about it. I've been telling y'all for years, we need to get on down to the main attraction. That's a little less talk and what? A lot more action. we got to get to the place where the rubber is finally meeting the road. There's got to be some proof in the pudding. The reason why churches are folding up around the world and the reason why church membership is in decline is because most people have already been to church and they didn't like what they saw. Bunch of bitter, addicted, mean, negative, judgmental people. What, 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 what are we going to have to offer them? Come to Jesus, be mad like me. Come to Jesus, you can hate everybody. No. You got to do right. Man, I tell you, you get your spike mentality. What spikes say? Just what? Do the right thing. Just do the right thing. If Christians would start doing the right thing with their life, with their time, with their talent, with their treasure. If Christians would start doing the right thing with their mouths and with their ears and with their eyes and with their hands, the world would be a better place. Verse 11 says, God blesses you when people mock you. Well, that don't sound like fun. You ever had anybody mock you? Thank God you don't have to do my job. I get it every week, sometimes every day. And persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you. I've heard people say this. Well, you know, must be some truth to what they're saying about Deacon West because there's just too many people saying. How does that make it true? What, is there a requirement on uh, three liars are liars? But if ten liars, well, that's, if ten liars are lying, that's got to be real. God says that his people are going to be mocked, persecuted, lied on, and have all sorts of evil things said against them. Why? Because you are my followers. You need to be able to say about yourself, I am his follower. Can you really say that today? We just went through a a small group study titled, be a fan or are you a fan or a follower? 
And a fan is somebody who just watches from the outside and celebrates every now and then, but a follower is somebody who wraps their life up in it. God looking for followers. A lot of churches do a great job at making converts. Every time someone walks now and prays to be saved in this church, I let them know this is not the end, this is the beginning. It's not over now, this is day one. you got to spend the rest of your life following him, knowing him, learning him, serving him, loving him. I want you to take a real honest assessment of your life today. Can it truly be said of you that you are a follower of Jesus? Well, why is that so important? Because God said he'll bless you when you are. The psalmist said to not forget all of God's benefits. I believe one of the reasons why most Christians are up and down like a roller coaster, up on a high one week, down on a low, corkscrew going backwards, is because they forget the benefits. They forget how great it is to be close to God. That's why I have people tell me all the time, Pastor, I just wish I could get back that feeling when I was first saved. I just wish I could go back to how I felt when I was first saved. Well, you got that feeling because you were close to him, and he, you were all up into him, and you were following him, and he was blessing you. And I want you to know you can have that again if you will choose to follow him. Look at verse 12. Be happy about it. Be happy about what? What was just said in verse 11, getting mocked. Sometimes the Bible's weird. Can we be honest? I mean, it's it, weird to me. Let me say that. Weird to me. The Bible's perfect. Uh, but sometimes it just makes me scratch my head. Uh, God wants me to be happy about being lied on and persecuted. Well, I guess I can be if, if, if I can understand that I'm his follower and he's blessing me. He said, be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. When you do right, when you serve God, when you follow him, something happens. And this is why you can be happy about all the hardship that comes along. See, TV's got it wrong. They're telling you come to Jesus and you'd be rich and famous and you, you might be the tail now, but you're about to be the head. You might be a C. You might be the janitor, but God about to raise you up to be the CEO. Everybody's not going to be the CEO and janitors are just as anointed as pastors. Can you hear me? Uh, a different message for a different time. Listen, there is hardship and tribulation to be faced inside God's kingdom for those who there's being mocked at, there's being persecuted, there's being hated, there's being lied on. The only reason or one big reason why we can be happy about it and be very glad is because if you believe the word, you believe that a great reward awaits you in heaven. Sounds to me like we ought to want more of it. Sounds to me, when they, when they decorate them ugly helmets, Deacon West, in Tallahassee. Some hideous helmets, man. They need to pick some real colors, you know, like you can see from a distance. Something bright and cheery like orange. But when they decorate them ugly helmets, they put them things on them. Hatchets or tomahawks or spears or, or pitchforks. What? They put them things on them ugly helmets. You know what I'm saying? For a big stick, for, for a good hit. They put things on your helmet, Aaron? Well, they, well, they put it out of her. A fist. See, see, see? Real school. 
middle school. Watch Idaho this year. Start running back. You better get a fist on that helmet. What do you got to do? Good play, good, good hit, good stick, assign, major assignment, did something major. You do something major, they'll put something on the back of your helmet. Well, that might not feel good. Wide receiver goes across the middle. Quarterback stretches him out. You know he wants the alligator arm. That he stretches all the way out, gets crushed in the middle of the field, holds on, gets the, the, the momentum changing first down, leads to the game-winning touchdown. That will give him a fist on the back of his helmet, and then he's got to sit and think, well, I'd like to get more fists on the back of my helmet. But do I really want to go across that middle again? <laughs> I want to get more of them tomahawks on my helmet. What do I got to do? Dress up like a girl? Well, I don't, what are the, <laughs> I'm messing with It was an all-girls school at some point. I know they got boys there now. <laughs> Laughter does the heart good like a med- people leaving already. Look at that. <laughs> Whoo, man. It makes it hard. Every time I go to Atlanta, I just have to hold my breath. I was at spring training this year. They started that up, and I just had to, I just had to hold my nose because it's, uh, 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 and I'm thinking, come on now, leave that in Tallahassee. But to get that recognition, you have to take something that was probably painful, but they want it. Them Seminoles, they want that helmet filled up. Players at Idaho, they want that helmet filled up. They want it filled up so people will know, I go all out. I'm hard, and I'm willing to take it, and I'm going to get me some more later on in the season because just because I got hit one time, I'm not going to quit. Listen, this is what's wrong with people in the church. You suffer one little injustice. You go through one little thing. Preacher don't talk to you. He didn't shake my hand. I didn't like your hand. He, he, he rolled his eyes at me. I had lint in my eye. She walked past me, didn't say anything. Maybe her breath stunk, and she was trying to save you some trouble. It's Church 101. I'll never go back to that church. He talked about my Florida State Seminoles. Well, I didn't talk about all the criminals and rapists they got currently. Well, I could. But I'll never go back now. Can't take a hit in the kingdom without quitting. It's not time to quit. The Bible says that there's a type of believer, the real believer, who the Scripture says, we are not of that kind that draw back. We press in. God's looking for some people to press in. Quit drawing back all the time. Understand that a great reward awaits you in heaven. We're not just doing this just to go through the motions. God is watching, and there is rewards to be gained, and there is loss to be suffered. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Remember, always pay attention to the punctuation. It's there for your perfection. It'll help you understand what you're reading. If you slow down and read it in bite-sized chunks, you can digest it. You are the salt of the earth. Who's he talking to? Christians. Christians are the salt of the earth. We have a job. Our job is to be salt. He goes on to say, but what good is salt 
if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? Now listen, these questions are known in literature as what? Rhetorical questions. The answer is implied. You ought to already know the answer. Salt is no good when it's lost its flavor. You can't make it salty again. So what happens to it? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. What's going to be trampled underfoot as worthless? Salt. Who's the salt? Christians. Us. You. Do you really want to be tossed out and deemed worthless? Do like this. Pretend you're awake. No. If you love your heavenly father, you don't want God looking at you saying, mm, well, ain't much salt left on that one. We just throw that out and call that one worthless. That is not the plan. Verse 14, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Now, if you go to work tomorrow, you go to school tomorrow, you go call your church friends, call people at your church, your other church. And you ask them, who is the light of the world? They're going to give you one name. Starts with J and ends with Jesus. And am I right? Who is the light of the world? Jesus. Well, who did Jesus say is the light of the world? Us. We are. We are the light of the world. We have a job, not just to be salt, but to be light. We're like a city on a hilltop. That cannot, we are a bright shining light set way above everything else that is visible. That's the plan. That's the purpose. That is the destiny. Verse 15 said, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Too many people are hiding their light. Some of y'all went to good churches growing up. Y'all sang songs, riding on the church bus. Y'all sang songs at VBS and in Sunday school. You used to hold that little finger up and say what? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it what? Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. Too many people hiding their light under a bushel. Too many people talking more about politics than Jesus. Too many people talking more about opinions than Jesus. Too many people talking more about sports and playoffs than Jesus. Now, I'm not saying these other things have no place, but they don't have the high place. Jesus said we are salt and we are light. Salt and light. Think about that with me for a second. Salt flavors and light brightens. Salt flavors, lots of other things, the healing properties, it, it irritates. Listen, salt flavors and light brightens. We should be flavoring our world everywhere we go. If you work in an office, your office ought to have the flavor of God on it because you're salty. You, it, you're off, your school, just because you're in your school and you're a Christian, you bring your salt to that school, you flavor the whole school for Jesus. In your neighborhood, in your house, in your vehicle, it ought to be salty. And when it stops being salty, it's good for nothing. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. Some of y'all are getting to the point where your salt is not salty anymore. And you better make an adjustment before you get tossed out and deemed worthless. 
We have got to be salt to this community. We've got to take God's flavor to this community and flavor our world for Christ and not just accept the flavor that they're pushing on us. we got to take the light of God to our community and drown out the darkness that is everywhere. I'll tell you one thing. People, people told me, oh, Pastor Scott, man, you moved off Blanding Boulevard. You had a thousand seat sanctuary in Orange Park. You moved off Firestone Road in Sweetwater. Uh, it's a rough neighborhood. I said, we were looking for a place where a bright light could be seen from a long way. But we better make sure it's not just lip service. We want to shine the light so people can know there's something over here that you need. We need to brighten our world for Christ. Your home ought to be brighter because you're in it. Your school ought to be brighter because you're in it. Your, your, your work ought to be brighter for Christ because you're in it. Light chases away the darkness. The Bible says men love darkness more than light because their deeds are evil. That's why clubs turn the lights down. You don't go in no club with bright lights shining on everybody. You're just trying to do a little bump and grind. You're like, turn the lights down. Pump in fog machines, bumping into everybody. Christian clubs. They got a Christian club on the west side of Jacksonville. Lights down, fog machines pumped in. Murray Hill Theater. Y'all looking at me like y'all don't know. Tell them I said so. Dark places attract evil deeds. I know churches turn off all the lights to have praise and worship. Listen, I don't trust y'all that good. I'm the overseer in this ministry. These women brought purses in here. You know, we let some everybody come in here. Watch this. Now, not just kidding. I have, and I'm proud of it. It's just the truth under God. I have been incarcerated on numerous times in my lifetime. I have been locked up, physically clanged behind a jail cell. Um, and how many people other than me? Uh, look, you see all them hands up? You, you don't want to, if we turn the lights down here, all them persons be snatched. Y'all better stop telling me, Pastor, could we just turn the lights down and set an atmosphere? Close your eyes and wrap your foot around your purse. <laughs> Trying to help somebody. I don't know what's going on, but I don't know if y'all have noticed it. The choir people started using my personal side entrance. Isn't that something? Can't have nothing. <laughs> so I come in, because I spend time while y'all in here hanging out. I'm in the office praying, getting my mind right, sanctifying my mind to God so I don't have a bunch of thoughts in my head. And I, that's why I don't come out and shake hands with everybody because I want to be, you know, in, in the right frame of mind. So I just swoop in from the side and I come up here and I walk in. There's purses laid out all behind that wall in my special entrance. And I'm thinking, do these folk know I ain't all the way delivered? <laughs> Somebody got money poking out the top of a purse. I'm like... It's a joke. I mean, it happened, but it's still a joke. We should be brightening our world for Christ. Turn up the light. We should be flavoring our world for Christ. 
turn. Do you know salt is an irritant? Go ahead and get some in your eye. Do you know the world is beaten, bludgeoned, bloody, hurt, and wounded? Go ahead and throw salt on somebody like that. They're not going to hug you and be glad about it. They're going to withdraw. Why? Because it doesn't feel good. All these churches preaching feel-good messages, there's no salt in feel-good. Salt is not designed to feel good. Salt is designed to penetrate and to fix stuff. Light? Light causes people to cringe. Light causes people to back up and hide from it. But when it's received, when it's accepted, and it does what it's supposed to do, it brings healing and it brings truth. And we're the only ones that have it. True followers of Jesus, we're the only ones that have it. You're waiting on God to do something for you. God's waiting on us to do something for him. He's already done all he needed to do at the cross. He said at the cross, it is finished. When he gave us his spirit, he empowered us with everything we need that pertains to life and godliness. He has gifted us with spiritual gifts so that we can go out and change this world for his glory. Last verse, verse 16. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Just like being salt, just like being light, there's work to be done. In the same way, let your good deeds, say my deeds. It doesn't say let your paid staff's good deeds. It doesn't say let the pastor's good deeds. It doesn't say let your grandmother, grandfather, bishop, Ray Ray's good deeds. It doesn't say the best Christian in your house. It says let your good deeds. It is incumbent on everyone who names the name of Christ that you have good deeds. If you don't have good deeds, you're missing something. You're not activating the part of you that God has left you here for. And you may find yourself worthless and cast out. Let your good deeds shine. It doesn't say let Jesus come do something great. It says let your good deeds shine. God wants us to do good deeds in our community for all to see. How many? Say all. For all to see. Because when all people see us doing good deeds, something's going to happen. Everybody's going to praise your heavenly father. This is the pattern that God created Christian servitude for. This is the pattern that God created Christian service for. Jesus said, I came to be the greatest servant of you all. He said, you call me master and rightfully so, but I didn't come to lord over you. I came to serve you. And if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you've got to be a servant. And servitude is created so people can see the service that we do that's good, not so they can say, man, they got it going on over there at that church. Oh, they're, they're gifted. None of that. It's never to be reflected to the person who's doing the good deeds. It's always so that everybody will praise your heavenly Father. You do good stuff. Everybody sees it. God gets the credit. You do good stuff. Everybody sees it. God gets the credit. When you do good stuff and everybody sees it and God gets the credit, God is going to smile. And God is going to honor you. 
and God is going to exalt you, and God is going to fill you with a sense of purpose, and God is going to give you what he said the kingdom is. He said in Romans that the kingdom is not in how you eat, how you dress, where you wear makeup, whether you don't wear makeup. He said the kingdom is not in those external things. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And most people don't have enough righteousness, they don't have enough peace, and they don't have enough joy because they won't do enough good deeds for other people to see so God gets the credit and God smiles on you. This is what we need. This is why we have ministries for you to get involved in. This is why we're going to transition over right now next door and let you look at the different available available areas of service so you can match your gift. I told you seven gifts. I gave them to you last week. Prophecy, teaching, ruling, exhortation, ministry, giving, and mercy. Put that on the screen for me. These are what theologians call motivational gifts. These gifts are laid out in the Bible. Every Christian has one of these seven gifts at least. And this is who you are. This is how you're wired up. This is who God created you to be. This, this, the, the, the gift of prophecy is not the foolishness that you see in church. Hmm, hallelujah. Yeah, mm, yeah ha, mm, glory. Uh, somebody right over here. Nope, further over here, over here, way over on this end. Mm, yeah, mm, yeah. Uh, by the spirit of prophecy, I, 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 I hear the Lord say, the Lord would say, that there's a woman right over here, and you've been hurt by a man. And it's affected you. And you're struggling with intimacy issue. God praise her. Uh, uh, right over here. Mm. Prophecy is working today. I said, I have spirit of prophecy, fake prophecy. It's not prophesying, it's prophet lying. Uh, right over here. Uh-huh, mm, yeah, mm, huh, mm. Mm, it, all, it don't take, mm, ah, mm, turn the channel. Somebody in this general section right in here. Yes, yes, mm, mm-hmm. Your back has been bothering you. And you just wish it would start, and your neck. Your back and your neck. And, and, and a knee pain right over here in this section. That ain't Prophecy. Every woman over three years old been hurt by a man and some less than three years old. And every dude that ever picked up a shovel had a bad back at some point in his lifetime. That's just garbage foolishness. Prophecy is, is not that stuff. Prophecy is the gift to stand against the masses and oppose social injustice. That's what, that's what prophecy is. Let me, let me run down these seven real quick and we'll get out of here. Prophecy, proclaiming God's word, to speak with forthrightness and insight, to demonstrate moral boldness and uncompromising commitment to moral values. Ministry, also called the gift of service or helps. It's the ability to render practical help in physical and spiritual matters. We need more people with the gift of ministry. People think ministry is what happens in the pulpit. Ministry is what happens all week long before the pulpit gets put up. Somebody wipes this pulpit down. Before every service to take the fingerprints off it. Somebody puts my, my handkerchief there before every service in case, you know, I get boogers and you don't want to sit here and watch me. I, I can get myself together. There's water up here so I don't choke to death. That's ministry. Somebody puts cards in the back of these chairs so you can turn in prayer requests. Somebody got to vacuum this rug so it doesn't look like a pig pen in here. That's ministry. Behind-the-scenes stuff. If you're wired up that way, you need to get involved in serving God that way. Teaching. 
It is what it sounds like. It's the ability to communicate information relevant to the health and ministry of the church in such a way that others will learn and be edified. Listen, here's the difference between those who have a spiritual gift to teach and those who don't. When someone with a spiritual gift to teach teaches, people learn. When someone has a spirit, when someone just likes to teach and they have their Sunday school class or they have their church and people leave every week thinking, what was he talking about? What was he saying? I don't know. I'm trying to follow him. But, man, he just, he's all over the place. I don't understand. What, 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 what was he talking about? John? Who? Jim? James? Fred? What was the message about? I don't know. What's for lunch? That person doesn't have a spiritual gift to teach. Number four, exhortation also called encouragement, the ability to deliver challenging words and encouraging words. We need more people in the world with the gift of exhortation. That's that man or woman who knows how to come along at just the right time and say the right thing. They catch you at just the right time, and and they leave, and you're saying, I needed her today. I just needed to run into him today. He always lifts me up. He always makes me feel better about what's going on. That's the gift of exhortation. The gift of giving, don't get scared of it. People are like, I don't want that one, Reverend. I, got, I need me mine. If you understood it, you'd want it. The gift of giving is the ability to accumulate and give large sums of money. If God gives you the gift of giving, you're going to be wealthy. If God gives you the gift of giving, God is going to allow you to stack up money so high that you have to give it away. It wouldn't make sense for God to give the gift of giving to misers because they wouldn't give any of it back. This is one of the gifts that I have. I have the gift of giving. I don't say it to make anything about it, but I say it by way of example. I have the gift of giving. I've always been the largest giver in the history of our church since we started our church. And because I have been faithful in giving, God allowed me to pay cash for my home in Eagle Landing, cash for my Lincoln Navigator, and cash for my Toyota Camry, and cash for Ethan's, what is that, Acura. Uh, you say, well, you just sound like you're bragging. I'm not, I'm not bragging at all. I'm letting you know that if God gives you the gift of giving and you operate in it, money's going to start to stack up. And then you're going to have the opportunity to bless. People say, oh, Pastor, if I had your money, I'd give more. No, you wouldn't. A dime out of a dollar is a dime out of a dollar, no matter how many dollars you got. 10% is 10%. And if you won't start with the tithe and give an offering on top of that, even if you have. See, here's the reality. Some people have the gift of giving, but because they won't flow in it, they're going to stay broke. Where if you would just start flowing in your gift, God would start flooding money into your pocket. And then you could give more. And then we wouldn't have to worry about, are we going to be able to feed all the kids that come to the community center this week? Then we wouldn't have to worry about, is there enough food for lunch for everybody? Because the money would be there. There were people whose whole purpose in the New Testament was to finance the Lord's ministry. And that's all we know about them. They gave money and to give to Jesus so he could go about doing ministry. There are people gifted that way. And if you have that gift, you need to flow in it so God can begin to open you up and expand you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. See, that's real. The gift of ruling. Number six is leadership, administration, organization. This is the supernatural ability to promote people, projects, to stand and lead. This is somebody who's a good administrator. This is somebody who makes sure that all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. I want to tell you something. We've got all the people in the right seats on the bus on our staff. We really do. 
We've got all, everybody on our staff is in the right seat operating in their highest and best use. I can promise you this. Elder Robin is, is a better singer than, than me, Dina, Ken, and Crystal. Uh, I'm a better preacher than all of them. Dina's a better manage, administrator. Crystal loves working with kids more. We got the right people in the right seats. You need to get in the right seat. And if you are an organized person, you need to be serving God in the gift of ruling. If you know how to take a project and make it happen. See, Dina was up here last night putting on tablecloths and setting out centerpieces and putting stuff together, dotting every I, crossing every T till well past midnight, sending me pictures of what it looked like well past midnight last night because there's not enough people that are helping that have the gift of administration to be up here and make sure all this stuff gets done. Listen, we need more than one person putting together every project in a church this big. Let me keep going. Last one, mercy. Mercy, the, the ability to minister to sick and afflicted, to feel pain for those who are hurting. We need more people. There are people in this church that have the gift of mercy, but you're not flowing in it. And just remember, you reap what you sow. If you would start flowing in your gift, whatever you flow out is going to come back to you. If you have the gift of mercy and you're not using it, somebody is being hurt by you're not using your gift. We have shut-ins. We have people in the hospital. We have people, well, that's your job, Pastor. You're supposed to go see every single person that ever gets sick. And, and No, that's not my job. My job is to give myself to prayer, study the Word of God, to cast vision, and to oversee this ministry. You need to operate in your gift. Let me operate in my gift so all the work can get done. Prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhortation, giving, ruling, mercy. I want you to start using your gift. Because when you do, joy is going to come. Peace is going to come. Righteousness is going to come. And your life is going to be better than it was before. God is going to honor you. God is going to have great reward for you in heaven. And you are going to love being in church. See, some people are almost done with church. Some people are almost ready. Ah, I tried it. Trying church is not what it's about. Getting involved in serving God, that'll hook you forever. You hear people say stuff like, ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. And you're like, nah, they just say that. No, when you really get involved and wrapped up in what God has for you, it's on and popping. And it's more fulfilling and more exciting than any party you could ever imagine. I have to look in people's eyes every week and see the barely holding on eyes in faces and wonder, is this going to be their last week here? They look like they just can't come back one more time. Get involved. Fall in love with Jesus. Serve him. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You can't just love him with your heart. you got to love him with your strength you got to put your strength to work and do what God has gifted and enabled you to do. And God is going to open up heaven over you. And you're going to be so excited that you did. It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are. The fact that you're still here means God still has a purpose and a plan and a calling on your life. And I want you to hang out with us for the next 20 minutes. Eat, eat a little lunch with us and look at these different areas and see which one fits you best. And let's talk about it. Pray with me. God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for each person who's come. Father, I pray that today we would get people more involved in Christian servitude. Lord, I pray people would stick around and eat lunch together and fellowship. 
And Lord, I pray as they see different areas of ministry that they could get involved in, Lord, that they would put their name on the dotted line and they would step up for you. Step up and serve you. Step up and do what you've called them, gifted them, and purposed them to do. Lord, we thank you for the food that we're about to eat, and we ask that you'd bless it, Lord. We thank you for this offering we're about to receive. Lord, I pray you bless these tithes, bless these offerings. Use them to further your kingdom is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We truly appreciate the opportunity to pour into your lives each week. For more information or to donate to Abundant Life's ministry, please check out our website at www.alcfnow.org.